solo voy con mi pena, sola va mi condena. When you have good barbacoa, you will know it. It's possible that you haven't because no, I'm not talking about barbacoa from Chipotle, compadre, lo siento. I'm talking about the real deal. Lamb that is wrapped in agave leaves slow cook in a brick oven for 16 hours to create melt-in-your-mouth food experience that will have you speechless. The kind of barbacoa that only exists in Mexico. Or so I thought. Welcome to Culinaria Nacional. I'm Ubish, chef and culinary explorer, and in today's episode we are taking you out of the books and directly on site to the sources of the food we love. We'll hear some personal stories behind two fantastic barbacoa restaurants, El Pica in Texcoco, Mexico and South Philly Barbacoa in Philadelphia, USA. And although they are far apart and separated by the US-Mexico border, the owners have commonality in the love for quality food, culture, community and family. Our story starts at the family roots of cooking barbacoa in El Pica in the state of Mexico. We recognize the success of this restaurant but also recognize the economic hardships that exist in its own city of Texcoco and in other areas of Mexico as well. We see the drive for poor Mexicans to immigrate to the US to find work in whatever industry they can often food industry and often illegally, where they can be taken advantage of their lack of education, of their rights and their undocumented status. Here we encounter South Philly Barbacoa, whose co-owner, in addition to making some dang good barbacoa to remind Mexicans of their homeland, gives a voice to these undocumented workers through community organizations. We find that in Mexico or the US, documented or undocumented, Mexicans and Mexican immigrants keep their culture and their family close to heart and build community over food. I discovered El Pica years ago for the first time, but didn't really appreciate it fully until more recently. I have always had foodie friends, and when I was in the Culinary Institute, we tried to make weekend trips outside of Mexico City, outside of the touristy areas, to find the best food. Our first trip, we decided to visit a barbacoa place recommended by our friend Gabriela. I met her in cooking school. She grew up surrounded by real home cooking, always. To give you an idea, they had their own nixtamal to grind corn to make tortillas the proper way. That's the most legit way. Not a store-bought, not tortilleria bought, and not even made from pre-mixed masa. Her grandma ended up starting a quesadilla stand inside El Pica, one of the most successful barbacoa opener restaurant in the town of La Purificación in Texcoco City, in the state of Mexico. My friend Gabriela started to work at this quesadilla stand with her grandma at age 11, and stayed for 12 years until deciding to dedicate more time to her own projects in Mexico City. She now has a catering business that has influences from all her experience at El Pica. So now, I'm on my way back to El Pica after many years. You can only arrive there by car. It's rural and no bus or public transport takes you all the way. Even with its popularity, there are no signs at all. 
We feel that we are getting tricked because every time that we stop and ask for directions, we are told, keep going straight, you will find it. And sure enough, eventually we do. I stepped out of the car and the crisp mountain air hits me in the face. Then the smell comes, a unique aroma of roasted agave leaves, sweet and deep, something like molasses. We follow our noses to a cover area to find that this is the restaurant. Entering, we see the earth ovens. Not one or two, but several. All slow in cooking the lamb to perfection. We see the cooks climbing on the top of them, and we have the treat of seeing them open the second oven of the day, taking out the leaves and the lamb parts with smoke rising out of them. It was sort of a show the way people eagerly gather around to have a look inside. The scene at the purchasing table is commotion. Huge pieces of land being handed to the customers choosing whatever part they wanted. One kilo of ribs, two kilos of leg, head, stomach, every single part. But I don't see other typical things you find in a restaurant. Places to sit, tortillas, salsas and limes. None of it. The experienced customers in front of me tell me to walk outside the main area. Sure enough, the open concept restaurant continues forever. It feels like a big picnic area, carefully nestled into the natural habitat. There are small tables selling salsas, aguas frescas, fried plantains, tortillas, pulque. It feels more like a market than a restaurant experience. We gather the necessary elements and find a table where we begin our family-style feast. Everything in the middle of the table and each person making their own tacos. Pass me the salsa, hand me the tortillas. It was like we were at home, but instead I was surrounded by people willing to make the hour trip to taste amazing barbacoa. As more time passes, more people fill the place. We share half of our table with another family, especially because they share some extra limes, so no need to search for more. Gabriela introduced me to Veronica, her aunt, who tells us the story behind the 50 plus years of El Pica. To start, Veronica tells us that the town of La Purificación, there used to be four Franciscos, plus her husband, who was also named Francisco. They were each giving nicknames based on their distinguishing characteristics. The skinny Francisco, the small Francisco, the dwarf Francisco, and the fat Francisco. And her husband, Francisco El Picapleitos, Francisco the Troublemaker. I pictured a Dennis the Menace type. Veronica eventually married the son of Francisco the Troublemaker and became part of the family, and therefore part of the restaurant El Pica. El Pica started only as a family restaurant, with a local presence, but has steadily grown in popularity and expanded, attracting customers from surrounding states. Veronica tells us two of her theories as to why they have had success. She believes that first and foremost, people come for great barbacoa. At El Pica, she believes the cooking methods and care are the distinguishing factors. The restaurant is only open in the weekends, and preparation lasts the entire week before. She says that a lot of places that make barbacoa cook it just a few hours, 
but in El Pica, they leave the lambs on the ovens for 16 hours. Wrapped in the agave leaves and maintaining the temperature to brick ovens requires immense work. Of course, they make it look easy. It might be hard to picture the ovens and the cooking space. Picture rustic, open air, and a line about 30 people long at all times. The ovens are cylindrical, huddled together, at the ground level, each about waist high and equally as wide. They were made with brick and packed with mud to better hold the heat inside. There are 12 ovens in total, and when we arrived that Sunday morning at 9 a.m., they were opening oven number two of seven in total that they had prepared for the day. They continued to open the ovens and pull steaming barbacoa out to sell by the half or full kilogram until it's gone. Each oven holds about four full lambs, so doing the math, they feed quite a few people. The next theory, Veronica explains, is Francisco's ability to advertise his product, especially by word of mouth. Veronica tells us that Francisco will take barbacoa into downtown of Texcoco and give it away for free. There was a point where his family believed that he was actually giving too much barbacoa, but it was working. People told their friends who told their friends. Strangely, he was also able to advertise his barbacoa on a mainstream family contest show called Sube Pelayo Sube, which is sort of the Mexican version of The Price is Right. Apparently, Francisco used to be close friends, or how we say in Mexico, a compadre, of one of the security guys in the filming studio, which is how he got in. He will later invite people of the TV and the radio to El Pica and give away whole lamps for the guests. It's truly the sign of a person who believes in your product. Veronica explains that aside from the barbacoa, the place itself is the other reason why the people come. The restaurant has a family picnic feeling. Veronica says, we offer what we are and what we harvest. We are a community. It reminds me of the old Olive Garden slogan, when you're here, you're family. The Olive Garden, when you're here, you're family. Only at El Pica, it's actually true. The feeling couldn't have been stronger. After being open for more than 50 years, many generations of family continue to come to El Pica because of the quality of the food and the familiar vibe. She tells us that her more memorable clients are those who immigrated to the US to work and after many years returned to El Pica with their family excited to taste the authentic flavors of Mexico that they could only remember in their dreams. Imagine craving a dish for over 30 years but having nowhere to find it. It's a nice thing to think about it, yet sad to imagine being so isolated from one's own culture. Unfortunately, barbacoa chipotle does not serve as sufficient substitute for real Mexican barbacoa. And since that is true, I thought that it was hopeless to think that good barbacoa could exist outside of Mexico. Mi vieja, ya está cansada, 
trabajar para mi hermano y para mí. Y ahora con gusto me toca ayudarla y por mi vieja lucharé hasta el fin. However, on a recent trip to New York City and the East Coast, I stumbled upon a unique exception in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. There I found Cristina Martinez, activist, immigrant, head chef, and owner of South Philly Barbacoa, a place that makes the most authentic barbacoa outside of Mexico. Here is a place that Mexicans who know authentic barbacoa can go to eat and remind themselves of home and feel like part of a community. Of course, Americans love that experience as well. To better understand Cristina's story, I want to take a step back and explore a bit about the Mexican immigrant cook in the United States. Here I reference the late great traveling cook Anthony Bourdain in one of his earliest shows called A Cook Store. Welcome to my world. In this episode, the young Bourdain asks the Mexican cooks of his New York City kitchen why there are so many Mexican cooks in New York City and why they are so good at cooking. The Mexican cooks who work in my kitchen back in New York are some of the best in New York City. They work hard, cook brilliantly, and they're really the engine behind our French brasserie. I wanted to see where these guys come from. I wanted to discover where they get their stuff. He goes to their home state of Puebla in Mexico to try and understand where they learned everything, only to find that it's actually the women who do all the cooking. Apparently, the women do all the cooking. His mom, his wife, friends, neighbors, assorted babysitters all pitch in to make the big dinner. Looking good. I'm beginning to see where my guys back in New York get the relentless energy and technique. Hanging around these women all day, they must have learned everything through osmosis. I but I believe that the men learn to cook because they have no other option. And actually, they learn to work at any skill in the US. Farming, painting, gardening, whatever, because they have to. The rural areas of Mexico are the poorest, and often, in order to support their families, many Mexicans make the decision of leaving their life behind to cross the border illegally, risking their lives to work at anything that they can, because the minimum wage in the US can be 20 times better than the minimum income in Mexico. Then, they send a portion of that money home to their families in Mexico. These people didn't grow up performing these trades, they're land by necessity, as a matter of survival. And that's why they are good at it, because they have to be. Those who cross the border are typically young men, like the cooks in Anthony Bourdain's kitchen. But Cristina and South Philly Barbacoa, it's an exception. She crossed the border illegally by herself when she was 40 years old. That was more than 10 years ago. Cristina has been cooking for the most of her life. She grew up in a conservative town in the state of Mexico and eventually fled to the US to escape an abusive husband and to increase her ability to support her children. We talked to Cristina a bit about her arrival here in the US. Desafortunadamente la comunidad que está aquí en Filadelfia es de Puebla y son como una familia o como una mafia que se unen y, y te ponen barreras o te tiran o te levantan. Entonces es, es como integrarte. She says that unfortunately the Mexican community in Philly was from Puebla. And together, Pueblans are like a family. Or better, 
like the mafia. Cristina is from Capuluac, in the state of Mexico. So when she arrived, not speaking English and not helped by the larger Mexican community, it was difficult for her to find work. Sadly, we have a saying in Mexico that the worst enemy of a Mexican is another Mexican. Not always, of course, but here we find it out to be true. But for such a positive, adaptive woman like Cristina, she didn't take this personal and actually found the opportunity to avoid this problem by working to solve a much larger problem that affects all immigrants, regardless of which country you're from. Cristina's undocumented status, and by the way, she gave us permission to discuss her status, has given her an understanding of the challenges that undocumented workers face in the US. While finding success at her restaurant, she has been using her platform for good. Cristina gives voice to the voiceless. Working in restaurants, she has realized that there are a lot of problems and limitations for Latino workers, both documented and undocumented. It can be as simple as not being provided proper tools to do their jobs well or as severe as not receiving equal pay. She saw this large need to advocate for workers who can't stand up to owners because their situation or a language barrier. So Cristina created a dinner series that goes by the name hashtag right to work, like the number two, to discuss and educate immigrant workers on their rights. The series is now run by a group called Alianza Popular por los Derechos de los Trabajadores Indocumentados or Popular Alliance for Undocumented Worker Rights. Claro que sí, eh, es un, eh, soy activista, lucho por los derechos de los trabajadores. Eh, cuando los compañeros... Cristina is an activist who fights for the rights of the workers. When members tell her that a business is not following rules or abusing workers, she stands up for them. Many owners have sufficient resources to improve conditions for workers and improve their productivity and quality of life. But she says some local owners, with many years in the industry, try to ignore her, passionately advocate the needs for the workers' rights. Cristina put the same passion into her food she makes at her restaurant. She believes in serving quality food. For example, she says that the heirloom corn used to make tortillas brought from Mexico to the U.S. is chemically treated. So she stopped buying that corn and made agreements with the local farmers to grow the corn that she brought from Mexico. A corn that she says has native pureness. She claims that you can't find this anywhere else in the country. And if someone wants to do a better taco than her, they'll have to wait at least a year to plant and harvest the corn. Not even in the most popular restaurant in New York City. Cosme does this. Certainly, Cristina has a successful and meaningful life as an activist and a chef, but she claims it's just a small part of her life. She believes her main achievement will arrive when she brings her whole family together. 
Christina has four children that she hasn't seen in many years, and for this, she somehow feels that her core as a mom is broken. She finds it difficult but inspiring when she sees families eating together in her restaurant, but it brings her strength and energy to fight every day for her family. It's a reminder to value the time we have with our families. What I love the most about food is that it's an emotional connection. It can be bigger than nutrients. Food and flavors trigger strong memories of culture and family. It connects us and opens up opportunities to build communities. El Pica restaurant is a demonstration of a family-owned and operated restaurant that has grown huge with popularity but maintained its family vibe and dedication to quality barbacoa. Cristina's restaurant provides an opportunity for Mexicans in the U.S. to eat Mexican prepared barbacoa, to remind them of home while educating them about their rights in the workplace. Thank you both restaurants for making me feel at home among family. This has been one of my favorite episodes to record because it shows exactly what I want to show. The real stories behind the food we eat and what makes it great. With a quick Google search, you can find a lot more information about each restaurant and the advocacy work that Cristina is doing. This has been all in today's episode. A really special thanks to my friend Andy that without him this production will be so much more difficult. To Cristina and her sous chef Jorge for making me feel at home, talking with them in South Philly Barbacoa, and to my friend Gabriela for taking me behind the scenes at El Pica for the best barbacoa that I have ever tried in Mexico. Also, thanks to all the listeners who are interested in my work, I really appreciate the support. And remember that if you're in Mexico City, you can explore the food scene with me. My website is in the description of this episode. Thanks, and you'll hear us next time on Culinaria Nacional. Me dicen el clandestino, yo soy el quebra ley. Mano negra clandestina, peruano clandestino, africano clandestino.